Live from New York, it's Ask an Engineer. Hey everybody, and welcome to Ask an Engineer. It's me and Lady Ada, lead engineer here at Adafruit, and with me, Mr. Lady Ada on camera control. Simon the engineer, and he's like the founder engineer. I just, I just hang out. You hang out here. I just work uh, here. You just work here, but you know what? It's a great place to work because we've got an exciting one hour coming up with the latest in making, hacking, news, nudes. There's going to be some nudes yeah. later um maybe not top secret but we'll talk about INMPIs and we'll talk about circuit python we'll talk about adabox so uh, we got a lot of stuff going on why don't we kick it tell them the code and what's on tonight's show tonight's show because we have a lot of thing that glows it glows a lot of glows 10 percent off in the adafruit store all the way up to 11 59 p.m eastern time use it in conjunction with all the free stuff we'll talk about that in just a bit as well talk about some of our live shows including show and tell we just got off air a moment ago talking about from desk of lady ada and the great search to a little bit of jp's product pick of the week time travel some news and more we got some advanced manufacturing main new york city factory footage how we make this stuff here in new york some 3d printing we got ion mpi this week it is layered connectivity brought to you by digikey we got some new products we're going to see your questions we do that on discord adafruit.it slash discord go over there ask questions and more we get them throughout the show and of course at the end all that and more on you guessed it ask an engineer so the free stuff can be used with the code it glows what free stuff did they get lady Ada? we've got freebies uh when you order from adafruit.com not only do you get to support us the engineer and person who helps with the show, uh, Mr. Lee Data, but uh, also all the dozens and dozens of people who work for us yes. um, at the Adafruit shop in Manhattan and uh, all over the world. So please do support us. When you book an order of $99 or more, you get a free PCB coaster with a lovely gold Adafruit logo on it. Uh, you get some bumpers to help protect your desk as well. It's great for putting your drinks on. 149 or more, you get a free KB2040, an all-in-one microcontroller board featuring the RP2040 chip, eight megabytes of flash, STEM QT connector, NeoPixel buttons, and more. It's a great getting started microcontroller, low cost, and it's Pro Micro pinout compatible. So if you have something that would use a Pro Micro, but you want a powerful RP2040 that can run Arduino or CircuitPython or MicroPython, this board's it, and you get it for free. 199 or more, you get free UPS ground shipping in the continental United States. And $2.99 or more, you get our favorite all-in-one dev board, the Circuit Playground Express, which has so many sensors and LEDs built into it. Uh, it's a great way to learn programming or electronics, and you don't even need any soldering or other tools. Just USB cable. 
Okay, uh, let's do some time travel, just news, updates, stuff that's going on at Adafruit and more. So first up, we are continuing to roll out more good security features for everyone you've probably seen in the news. Logins and passwords on every website out in the world has been leaked on whatever network. There was Twitter and Dropbox and Facebook, and there's mother of all breaches. You hear about this every week. So for folks who um, have good security hygiene, one of the things that we try to do is keep up with all the things that are going on. So you probably notice when you sign into some websites, you get an email notification that says, hi, you have a new sign in on your account on such and such. Banks do this. Um, you know, a lot of uh, higher security minded websites do this, but we also do this now. Google does it? Yeah. So when you sign into your Adafruit account, you'll get an email that says sign in. It has all the information in there. Certainly, you know, if you get an email and it's not you, let us know. Once in a while, there's people who share an account like at a university and they're just like, oh my God, what just happened? It's like, oh yeah, I shared my um, Adafruit account with the other purchaser. That's fine, but just make sure, you know, you all are doing that. And um, it's turned on for our customers out there. So when you get this email, that's what it is. It just lets you know that you've signed into your Adafruit account, check everything out. And uh, other good thing to do, and we'll talk about Adabox and, and feel if you're an Adabox subscriber while you're there, while you're getting a reminder um, that you've signed into your Adafruit account, update your credit card and shipping. Um, but please speaking of some other stuff, so some site news, Monday is Lunar New Year and Adafruit I think is one of the I don't know, maybe one of the first companies that I know of that has it as a paid day off for uh, our team. Um, I think New York City schools are starting to do it, but it was a holiday that a lot of uh, the world celebrates. So Monday, we have a shipping notice. If you take a look at our site and store, uh, Adafruit celebrates Lunar New Year. Um, we'll be open in shipping orders, but there could be some delays. Um, so, you know, if you order something and we have a lot of orders, it might not ship out till Tuesday. Um, we'll have, uh, you know, pretty much everything going on, but it is a paid day off for our team. Some folks are using it as a float. Some folks are, uh, taking it off. We'll see. Uh, next up, if you look on our website, it is February. So it is Black History Month. Check out all the cool posts, um, the makers that maybe you know about them. Maybe you don't. This is why we do it. We want to get everybody on our website. And you can check out a series of posts that our team has. This year's theme is African-American and the arts. You can check out our past posts, our current posts. Uh, if there's someone that you think or know that should be featured, please let our team know. And then you can also see all the previous years and all the celebrations of people making and sharing. Thank you to our team for putting that together. Next up, return of Adabox. So, where are we at? We've shipped about 850 of Adabox 21. Um, let me go to the Adabox site real fast. And we have, we're putting updates on the website as things uh, happen. I had a typo, sorry about that. On um, the date I put like uh, the last one was um, January. So I accidentally put 2023. Well, I'd say that like writing like your checks or- Yeah, well, we, we update this frequently. So I think one of the times it was fine and one of the times it wasn't. Cut and paste error. Um, but anyways, we have about 850 of the boxes out. So we are back to shipping Adabox. For some of you, you're like, oh yeah, I have an Adabox subscription. We don't charge until we ship. So please uh, log into your account. There's, you know, credit cards change over time. Shipping address changes over time. We don't charge until we ship. So Adabox 21, it's going. We're probably going to be finished with most of the shipping over the next, like, 
I don't know, 30 days-ish, we're going to announce the unboxing. Please stay tuned to um, adabox.com, all of our social media places, all of our shows, and we'll continue to get the word out. Um, so good news. Thank you, everyone who's stuck with us. Um, most people knew what was going on because they're like, oh, yeah, you know, Adabox let me know that there was, uh, Adafruit let me know that there was this part shortage. We didn't want to spam everyone with like an ending like we promise it's going to happen. We promise it's going to happen. So now it's happening. So what we're doing is we're starting to ship them and you'll get a notification if it's like, hey, like there's an address or credit card issue. Um, you've, of course, if you don't want it, you can cancel. All those things are possible. Let us know. Thank you for sticking with us for one of the few electronic subscription services. Box. It's back. It's back. It's happening. Okay, let's talk about our live show. Mm -hmm. We just did show and tell. Um, Lady and who's who's okay. show and tell this week? Okay, we had Scott came by, talked about how um, CircuitPython 9 is getting updated to the latest board support package for uh, ESP chips. And so um, having matrix portals work uh, was one of the number one thing. And so Proto Matter for the ESP was updated. He just demoed showing it off. Liz uh, got one of our ESP32 Qualia displays, like the long, thin display, and she has it in Arduino with Platform IO displaying a sushi conveyor belt with beautiful, buttery smooth sushi animation. Um, I'm hungry just looking at it. Just click back real fast because I. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, good. Sorry, I had it. I have uh, a lot of screen. No, I know. I just want to, I just have to see it real fast. Okay. Oh, and uh, showed off um, her rocket PCB. Um, Web A had a little bit of an LED issue, has to be flipped. Um, that's going to be fixed on the next version. Erin came by with a beautiful uh, uh, paper lantern visualizer using WLED. She's going to write a guide for it, uh, but it it's like behind her 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 monitor uh, there's like 20 different sized uh, lanterns and each one of them was like kind of pulsing with the music or with speech which is pretty cool uh, people love uh, visualizers oh jp showed off uh, a memento guide he's doing with a memento camera to do focus stacking um the memento has a voice coil motor on it which means that we can uh, do autofocus but also manually focus and so by stepping through the focuses you can go from like near focus to infinite focus and then you can do stuff like uh, diopter focus, focus stacking, um, or like cinema mode where you, you know, do a pull focus, um, on your subject and do an animated GIF. So I'm um, just playing around with like this open source hardware camera. You can like custom program. So he's going to be doing some more projects and tutorials on using, uh, focus stacking. That's his, his project for this week. Um, I think last week was time-lapse mode. So every week is like a new, a new yep. thing. Um, and then Tim, uh, foamy guy who's been doing deep dives. Um, thanks, Tim, for covering for Scott. He's been a little bit under the weather. Uh, showed off this week's project, uh, which I um, thought would be a great way to demo USB host mode. Um, it's a RP2040 Feather with USB host plugged into a keyboard with um, a 480 by 320 display on it. And he's like got a little text editor going. So it's like an on-the-go CircuitPython text editing computer um, that is like fully open source running CircuitPython. Uh, and saves files to the SD card. So that's kind of cool. You can like a little like text editor on the go. Um, a great demo of using CircuitPython with USB host. Yeah. And then finally, we had Nanographs come by, showing off the Electron Microscopy Shop in downtown Portland. I guess it, it's where you go to get your microscope 
groomed, tuned, updated, and uh, Portland's hottest club is microscope. Micros microscope shop. It's very small. Uh, and then I also showed off some of the boards that they've designed to control microscopes. And I gave us a tour of all the little microscopes that they've uh, yeah. adopted uh, and are rehoming. I don't know. It's like it's like a kennel, but for microscopes. Yeah. Um, really cool. And uh, if you've watched the show until you've um, known these makers for a while, so it's neat to watch the arc of this story and for uh, a really cool home for all these um, for these microscopes and more. Um, every week we do show and tell, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Check out Discord. That's where we have the link if you want to join, but you can also watch all of our uh, video places. You can watch any of the archives, and uh, everyone's welcome. You can show and share anything you want. Okay, on Sundays we do from the desk of Lady Ada. It's in two parts. Lady Ada, what did you show off in part one this week? Okay. Part one, I'm doing the bring up for um, Flopsy, the RP2040 floppy board. Uh, I started this in like 2021, could not get any parts for power supplies from TI, wanted to die. Uh, but now I need parts again. So um, revisiting this project and working on getting the floppy drive up and running again. Not perfectly working, but the uh, floppy drive is spinning and it's getting an index pulse. So the data is not coming out right, but the index pulse is, which is a really great start. Um, you know, as, uh, my friend used to say, uh, um, uh, segmentation fault means you're halfway there. So, uh, <laughs> we're going to keep working on that. Uh, and also, um, the phono module, you know, some of the boards that need to be redesigned have been very simple. Some of them are really complicated. The phono series has to be redesigned because the 2G network doesn't really exist in the U.S. anymore. So I'm going to go with LTE and BIOT. Uh, I got a suggestion from a friend of the fruit to check out a couple modules and I uh, talk about uh, why I picked it, some of the pinouts and um, the design, the beginning of the design of a new phona. All right. Then uh, use your powers of engineering to help people find things on digikey.com where there's millions and millions and millions of parts. What did you help people find this week? Um, okay. So one of the things about these cellular modules that I've seen a lot is that they tend to have very low working voltages, like, um, the IO voltage is like two volts or maybe 2.4. And so if you want to do stuff like light up an LED, cause there's an indicator or have a button input, also the pin strengths are very weak. You can't drive an LED directly. You want to have a, a, tr a BJT transistor that does the driving for you and you sort of use the pin as the controller of the base. Um, but to keep this port small, I don't want to have a transistor and then two resistors. Like, why have three things when you can have one? So I talk about pre-biased transistors. Uh, you can get transistors that have resistors built in so you can kind of use them like poof, ready to go, uh, you know, instant gratification. Uh, Digikey stacks a whole bunch, and we show off a couple of varieties, uh, some things to watch out for with um, different base and emitter resistors, and part numbers that change depending on the package. Oh boy. But uh, we figured it out and got some on order. Okay. And then during the week, we do JP's product pick of the week. Um, take it away, JP, for this week's highlight. The USB host Featherwing. With this paired up with your Feather, you can plug in your sort of normal uh, USB-A cable right into this and then have a keyboard on the other end and you're hosting the keyboard, a mouse on the other end, uh, a USB flash drive, which is pretty cool. In fact, I've got a demo I'm gonna show. I have a Feather M4, it's on a Feather quadrupler. So using that, I have a little OLED Featherwing, I will use that, and then we have our USB host Featherwing. What I've wanted to do for a long, long time is be able to pick up random thumb drives from around my workshop and office and find out what the heck is on them without mounting them onto a computer. Plug this little USB thumb drive into the host port and immediately 
mounts that and starts reading the contents off for me. So these are just the names of the files that are at the root level. USB host Featherwing with the Max 3421E chip. All right, JP's going to be showing off some cool focus stacking stuff and more on his show tomorrow, JP's workshop. That was on the show and tell, but you can check that out. And Scott will be doing, oh, you know, I made a mistake. I said 3 p.m. It's actually 2 p.m. on Fridays, deep dive with Scott. But if uh, something comes up, you can also hang out with Tim. Uh, it's deep dive. What the computer is doing? Yeah, it's all the innards of CircuitPython and more. It really is a deep dive in how this amazing, cool, open source way to learn Python and also do electronics, which we call Circuit Python. Speaking of Python and hardware, Code Plus Community. We got a lot of stuff going on in the world of Python and hardware this week, Lady Ada. Uh, CircuitPython 9 beta is almost out. Yes. This, so is, this is pretty much the blueprint for Tim's project. This is Tim's project. Um, uh, so what, we're doing what's a big new? Push. Okay, so we're doing a big push on getting 9.0.0 finalized. We had um, you know, some folks, developers, had holidays, and then they had some family stuff and personals to take care of, but they're allowed them back. Um, a lot of stuff was added. Uh, some things that I personally think is cool. Um, JPEG IO support. We can now display JPEGs natively. Uh, which is cool. I think we did GIFs before, but JPEGs are nice and fast. Um, update to ESP IDF5, you know, very important because we want to make sure we're up to date. Um, trying to think, yeah, okay, a couple of SynthIO things, a couple of I2S things, bitmap filter uh, and better camera support. That's great for Memento. Folks who are getting our camera board want to uh, use it with um, doing filters on the fly. Uh, so we have some um, built-in filters as well as uh, programmable filters you can use. USB host support, that's kind of what the, the poster is all about. Uh, and Tim's project, which is like, you know, you can plug CircuitPython into a keyboard and have it make your own computer. Like work as part of the REPL. Um, and one uh, breaking change I think is important for people to know is when you mount SD cards, you now have to have the mount point existing. Like you can't, it doesn't like magically make it on mount. You have to create slash SD card before you can mount the SD card. Um, technically, this is correct. This is how you're supposed to do it. Like Lucille Linux does it. Um, I think we had been borrowing how MicroPython does it, which kind of lets you do it on the fly. Yeah, it's supposed to. Um, you're supposed to have the, the folder exist beforehand. So it's just something to watch for. Um, but that allows us to do SD card support over web workflow, which also got a lot of updates. Uh, so we'll be doing more web workflow flow projects as well. Something okay. I'm looking forward to. All right. Other things, it's in the newsletter. This is a cool chart of all the Espresso microcontrollers. Uh, if you tune in the show and tell Scott's favorite is ESP32S3. Um, P4 coming up. Very interesting. Right. Very powerful. You can check out all of the CircuitPython 2024 uh, responses. These are all the things that people want to see in CircuitPython. You can check it out on the blog. Um, there's a lot of stuff uh, that's just, you know, regular Python on hardware, Raspberry Pi. Um, is a Linux computer, so it has Python uh, updates to TensorFlow Lite for RP2040 for microcontrollers. Um, if you want to install CircuitPython beta on a Raspberry Pi 02W, bare metal, that's what it's called. And then you can check out all the Python streams, Parsec, tons of projects. You can make a robot with the XRP program selector. You can look at our popular post. You can look at Flagron Notes. Yeah, we'll get to that when we get to our learn guides. And then just like stuff that you've probably seen in either show and tell or on Playground, news around the web, 
it is jam-packed if you're interested in this one was neat i like this one. Oh, yeah this is this is, a, this is a cool this um circuit python photographer project. made yeah. a really beautiful circuit python powered uh day digital clock that works on top of the like the yeah. flash connector yeah and uh pretty much anything you can imagine someone's doing it with python on hardware right now so check out all the projects and more this is our newsletter it comes out every single week to your inbox um you can also look at it on the blog you can also look at it on github you can also look at it on rss go to adafruit daily it's a completely separate website because we don't want to ever spam you and we don't want you to think you need to have an adafruit store account just to read a newsletter we like to keep those things separate so it is at adafruitdaily.com Speaking of openness and open source hardware, we have a bunch of learn guides. We have, we have 2,975. We're most of 3,000 guides. Lady, yeah, that's I remember when we hit 2,600, but now we're like, well, we're that's um, what's on the big board this week. Okay. Um, we have an update, a couple updates. So the 1.54 ink display breakout, we have a new version with an iSpy connector. So the guide got updated. We have a new project uh, from Brent, Noe, and Pedro. This is an IoT doorbell camera. This is really cool. So if you don't want Wing to give your camera footage to whoever asks, or even doesn't even ask, uh, you can now make your very own IoT doorbell that's completely private. Um, that sends only data to your personal Adafruit I.O. account, or uh, it can also yeah. email you a photo. Also, here, here's the idea behind a lot of our camera projects. So the average, let's just say young person, sees ring doorbells and they're like, oh, like when I, I know what these are. When I press it, a video or a photo goes to someone. But if you wanted to actually teach how to make this or do this, no, it's it's Amazon. Who knows? Who cares? But this is a good example of how you could teach like, oh, what if you wanted to have a classroom setting where you're like, what would, what would it take to build something like this? So I think one of the things that's a bit of a challenge for us, and maybe we can continue to just help get the word out. We're not saying these, like when we make an open source DIY camera, we're not saying this is going to replace your iPhone. And when we make something like a, a doorbell, you know, you press it and it sends a photo, we're not saying this is going to replace ring. It's to learn and teach. It's to not have those other things completely. You can reprogram your ring. It's like it comes in a. It's like a. It's like a. Yeah. Like and, and maybe for good reasons because they want to have security so no one can tune into your you know house or something. But for the but, next, but for the next generation of of people and for all of us, how does this stuff work? What if you wanted to make one on your own? Or for you know some of the advanced folks out there, what if you did want to have yours so it doesn't send things to Amazon? or you know the authorities or you don't know or you never know there's a terms of service that you agree to all the time this is your own terms of service how you uh decide to use it on your own terms so um it's just a different approach but i don't want people to think that this is supposed to replace those things it's to learn and teach inspire um share uh how would you learn to make a digital camera if you said hey i want to like if if you want to learn how to make one, like how would you even start? Well, these are the things that we have now. So that's the that's the use of it. That's that's the goal is like you get a glimpse of what goes into all this stuff. Um, of course, it's not going to replace your phone, um, but maybe some of you will. Who knows? All right. Well, anyways, it's a very cool project and it's uh, internet connected. And um, like I said, you can have the photo uh, sent to Adafruit IO. It can be emailed to you. You can get a notification and you can, of course, use webhooks and all that good yeah. stuff. Um, we'll show the video shortly. And then Liz did a guide for the UPDI friend. I kind of developed this for me because I was tired of like having this like janky resistor setup 
for programming ATtiny chips, but I think other people might want to also program UPDI microcontrollers. This is a lovely board and Liz did a great guide. Carter also wrote a, a page to get people started with UPDI programming using uh, the Megatini core, uh, which is a, a lovely core uh, for that uh, chipset. We also have the guide for Adabox 21. Don't, don't look at it. If don't, you don't look at if it. You don't want to know what Adabox is. Yeah. Secret. We have to put something up and we updated some pages, but if please don't ruin it for everyone. Okay. We also have a bunch of updated guides here. You'll see uh, because um, we uh, have updated the Raspberry Pi instructions for all sorts of displays in our TensorFlow code because um, we are uh, making sure that it works with Wayland, I think is the name of it, and Bookworm and the Pi 5. Basically a lot of stuff changed with the Raspberry Pi 5 and the latest version of Raspberry Pi OS. And to make sure all of our displays work. So you're going to see all these displays get updated. So you saw like, you know, these uh, TensorFlow light and the BrainCraft hat and the TFT add-on and the 2.2 inch hat. So um, those are all going to update it. If you've been trying to get those working with the Pi 5 or with the latest Bookworm or Wayland, uh, check out the guides. I think Melissa has done a really good job updating everything. Should be working now quite nicely. All right. Um, any other guides? I think that's it. Everything else was from the from the previous week. Okay. And then don't forget, if you want to put a guide up, you can right now. Um, Everybody can. We have playgrounds. So just on learn. Okay, check out doggy up. buttons, by the way. Doggy buttons? Yeah. <laughs> this is so cool. So this person made buttons, like 3D printable buttons that their dog can. Yeah, use. there's a lot of TikTok videos of these dog. There's You can buy these. Yeah. Um, and it'll say like, outside, now. Good dog. Yeah. Um, this person um, showed how do you make your own, which I think, you know, it's, it's you, cool. You can customize a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but like once in a while, the, the dogs are not happy. They're just like sad, really? sad dog, sad dog. It's like, oh, it keeps like, yeah, sad buttons. Yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, check this out. They want like hugs and kisses. And yeah. Like that's how you get them because you say you're sad. Yeah. But I've seen some of these, these, these videos. Uh, but do check this. Like Playgrounds has taken off even more than we expected, which is really good. It's one of the only places where you can publish your works and you don't have to worry about ads being on there or tracking. No ads. And no one has to log in to see no all the steps. No, so it's always going to be free. And it's always open. It's the, you know, place on the, if you like Adafruit style stuff, this is um, one of the places that we get a lot of requests. It's like, I'd really love to use the learning system. And we're like, well, you know, that's for our authors and everything. But so we made a way to have the world use parts of it. So yeah. check it out. Um, you'll also find a ton of cool projects. We're adding more stuff all the time. We'll be adding search soon too. Yep. You know, people asking for it. For yep. now, you can use Google and just say site Adafruit. Play. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting there because there's, you know, there's a lot of things that go into that. And uh, check it out. We're up to over 300 guides already. And of course, check out Learn. We're almost up to 3,000. I guess three is the theme. Let's do some factory footage.
and that was made in New York City. Let's do some 3D printing. We're going to play these videos back to back. One of these is the uh, DIY open source camera memento as a uh, doorbell uh, photo taker and more, and then we're gonna do a speed up takeaway now later. You can build a DIY IoT doorbell camera with Adafruit's Memento and CircuitPython. This project takes a picture whenever the doorbell is pressed and displays it on an Adafruit IO dashboard that can be accessed anywhere by computer, phone, or tablet. The Memento camera board has everything you need to make an internet connected camera project. We 3D printed the enclosure to fit the Memento and a mini LED arcade button and based the design on commercial video doorbell cameras. Like most of our enclosure designs, all the parts snap fit and are printed without any supports. And because it's a camera, we made sure to add a threaded screw adapter so it's easy to set up on a tripod. Featuring the ESP32-S3 module, you can run CircuitPython code and send images over Wi-Fi to Adafruit.io. The CircuitPython code connects to your Wi-Fi's SSID and uses Adafruit.io to send image data to a camera feed. Unlike other doorbell cameras, pictures sent to Adafruit.io are stored on a private feed, so photos are only viewable by you and never sent to third parties. We think this is a great example of how you can use Memento with Adafruit.io to display image data on a custom dashboard that you can access anywhere. With Adafruit.io Actions, you can receive email notifications whenever someone rings your doorbell, making the experience more immediate. You can also customize the email subject and message to display exactly how you want. CircuitPython and Adafruit.io make IoT projects easy for folks to get started with IoT hardware. The enclosure design is open source and free to download. We also have a 3D model of the Memento dev board so you can create your own projects. We hope this inspires you to check out Adafruit Memento for your next IoT camera project. All right, that's the 3D printing of the week. A couple little reminders. It glows is the code, 10% off in the store. There's all this free stuff that you can get based on what you buy. And then um, I'll answer one question as we uh, get to the yeah. rest of the show. Someone was asking, when do we expect all of uh, Adabox 21 to ship? We hope within the next 30 days. It's just been a slow, terrible grind over the last couple of years, COVID part shortage. And um, you know the joke is, uh, is it the same? project or product when everything was replaced like the you know so everything, in the, of everything in the pieces. changed twice yeah. everything got changed over nothing was original yeah from so what shipped in the end I, I think this is one of the ones like i totally understand if some folks are going to bail because they're like oh what if adabox is you know, like you know going to be like this all the time it's not um but for those folks who do electronics they're like oh wow i'm surprised it's ever shipping again because we really had to start from scratch and redesign about 700 products all together to get where we're at so hopefully we were transparent enough the entire time we had our segment <laughs> it's a part shortage it's part shortage 
And you could see all the different revisions that we've done over the last couple of years so we can make things again. Can, it can I say hard. a thing? This is like my rant. I get like, I get one minute. The internet. But the internet. There's a lot of people who do Kickstarters and they're like, no, no, it's going to ship. It's going to ship. It's going to ship. And it like, you know, it's like been years yeah. and they're, but they're still promising. I, I shipped. Okay. Like I promised and I did it. Yeah. Look, they're all going to ship. Like we have all the boxes. We're shipping them out. Like we're taking yeah. it easy so the shipping team doesn't get overwhelmed. But like, yeah, it's happening, guys. Like most times we're... when people say, no, really, it's going to happen. Yeah, we're not we're... gonna we're not gonna give up. It's just been really hard. I don't give up. Yeah, it's just been really hard. So thank you for your patience, everyone. But that's the that's the timeline that we have, and um, we'll be announcing the unboxing soon. We have a fun video planned. And then we're lined up for the next one right away. So we're hopefully going to be back on schedule. This is the catch-up year, and then we're going to continue to do this. Definitely have a plan for four this year. So yep. this was the first of the year, and uh, you know, yeah. we basically start shipping in January first. Um, yeah, yeah we, we did get some out before the end of the year. No problem. Yeah, January we had to build all the boxes, but now we're, we're back on track. Okay, let's do uh, IMPI. Hi, Hi on MPI brought to you by DigiKey. Thank you, DigiKey. This week it is layered connectivity. Yes. Lady Ada, what is this week's new product introduction? I'm glad you asked. Okay, so this week it's actually kind of a collaboration. Uh, this week it's the Sarah NX040, which is a, a combination of the NXP SR040, which we'll talk about, and you know, our favorite, the Nordic NRF series, the NRF52. This is the 833, which is actually more recent than the 840, I believe. Um, there's a USB capable uh, Bluetooth low energy uh, Cortex M33 or M4 microcontroller. Sorry, I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, with, of course, with BLE and the ultra low power um, and great range capabilities and programmability of the Nordic series, uh, teamed up as that's the main core, teamed up with the NXP SR040, which is an ultra wide band uh, radio front end. Uh, that can also do like um talk about it like various positioning and then layered connectivity put this all together in a certified ready to pick in place antenna fi'd module so you can get started with ultra wideband projects really quickly okay so ultra wideband what is that well it's like it's like those pants from jnco right they're like ultra wide leg these are ultra wideband this is a radio system that um, blasts data over, you'll see like, you know, like a gigahertz wide bandwidth, um, and it can transmit and receive data. And it, it doesn't, it's not the same as Wi-Fi or Bluetooth, which is like 2.4 gigahertz. And it's not LoRa, which is usually like 90, 900 megahertz, or maybe 433. It's much higher frequency. So it's very near, uh, very, uh, short distances. I kept this sound on. <laughs> All um, right, let's check. Click uh, on that, that one, the next the next two. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay, we're back. We're going to fix it in post. Okay. Uh, 
so they're saying uh, people can use GPS. Okay, I believe we are back. Sorry about the internet connectivity stuff, folks. A little weird. Usually our network's pretty good. But yeah. can we give up? Never. No, we're not going to give up. Okay, but, but can you go, go back? Okay, let me do, um, I'll start over from this one. Okay, you guys get to hear it three times. Um, okay, zunching uh, with ultra-wideband specifically for uh, doing small-scale location because um, if you want to do geolocation with GPS or you want to do cellular um, uh, triangulation with like self towers, you have to be outdoors, you have to have network access or you have to have a GPS fix, you have to have like good connectivity to the sky or whatever. And you also get 10 meters best range. You can also do Wi-Fi or Bluetooth low energy time of flight detection. Um, that'll get you a little bit better, but it's still going to be like within a meter or two. Um, also, usually you can't tell which direction. You can just tell like overall distance, like, oh, it is you're, you know, 10 meters away or 20 meters away, but you don't know exactly where within a 3D space um, the target is. And then with ultra wideband, what's really neat is, especially if you have multiple anchor tags, you can actually do centimeter level indoor positioning um, where like within an indoor space where you don't necessarily need to have, you can be in a basement, you can be in a tower or whatever, or you can do it outside of course, but uh, specifically indoors, it's great. Um, you set up multiple anchor tags and you can detect where in 3D space objects are within that space. And this ultra wideband is one of the few technologies that can actually do that kind of uh, positioning, that kind of precision indoors. Okay. Um, so it does this, you know, basically by sending data um, and then looking for the bounce to apply, kind of like anything else, like time of flight or um, distance uh, detection with other RF signals. So that's not unusual. Um, but besides it, because it's ultra wideband, it's got this extra bandwidth because it's a high frequency. It can actually do a little bit more security. So instead of just sending like a random ping, it can do uh, like challenge responses or um, encryption um, and have packet data that's a little bit more complicated than just like a simple like, you know, uh, echo ping or advertisement like in Bluetooth energy, uh, which means it can be more secure. And so I actually did a little bit of reading about like how ultra wide, you know, bandwidth with ultra wide bandwidth uh, location works. And um, what's neat is the data is sent and it's like this beautiful sync pulse and the pulse shape is like uh, tuned in a way so that you get um, no frequency outside the band. So yes, it does use this ultra wide band, but the energy level overall is quite low because it's spread out over this wide frequency. And because you have this wide frequency um, and you can detect, you know, pulses in the different parts of the, the frequency band that you're transmitting in, if you do have bounces or you have something that is opaque or transparent to a certain frequency, other frequencies might be able to get around it or through it. And so part of the calculation you have to do with um, ultra wideband is managing the reflections because you're going to get like a direct path bounce, but you might get reflective bounces and then you have to do the math to figure out like, okay, well, based on the frequency and which pulse and the data, like what is the actual distance and where are you with relation to, you know, the other uh, ultra wideband module that's like transmitting or receiving the pulses. Um, and that's what's really nice about the NX040 is it does that all for you. So you don't have to do the math and calculate and figure out like 
you know, all this, the correlation of all the symbols and data that you're getting, um, once you've synced it up with the transmitter, so it all has like the same security key, it'll just tell you like magically, like, hey, here you are with X, Y, Z coordinates. Okay. Um, there's basically two ways you might want to use ultra wideband. There's the single sided. So this is one to one and you have, um, you know, a transmitter, say your car and a receiver that could be like a key fob or a phone in your pocket. And this doesn't do um, very detailed triangulation. Like you can usually, you know, can definitely do distance and it can usually do like basic direction. You're going to get like maybe X, Y, you're probably not going to get X, Y, Z coordinates, but it's good for detecting when somebody is nearby and how close they are. And then there is the more advanced difference of arrival uh, calculations. And a lot of people, when they talk about ultra wideband, this is what they mean. You would set up anchor points in this case, in the bottom left, you see like a one, two, three and four. And those are transmitters or receivers that are looking for signal coming from that cell phone that's kind of wandering around the 3D space. And by taking those four bounces of the signal, it can calculate where in 3D space that cell phone is. And so this would be good if you're like, oh, I have a, you know, event space and I want to track where people are within that event space, or I have assets within a factory, I want to know where that asset is. Um, this is where you would use a time difference of arrival. So two different use cases. Um, the previous one tends to be used for like detecting when somebody is nearby for like security purposes, you want to unlock something because it's like, oh, you've been authenticated and you're nearby. Um, this is a nice comparison from NXP showing um, the accuracy. Uh, you know, they didn't even show GPS or cellular, but that's also in the range of seven to 10 meters. Um, but ultra wideband, one of the nice things because of that high frequency wide bandwidth um, and the, the high bandwidth of data and the smallness of the waveform, you can do much better uh, time of flight um, detection. Um, so, you know, originally it was for item tracking, but what's interesting is um, the new use case, you know, and, and indoor navigation, but uh, some new use cases that are coming in are built smart building services. So detecting when a person is at the door automatically unlocks or hands-free payments. So you don't even have to touch to take your phone out and touch to pay. It just knows that you've, you know, you're walking by and you're authenticated already. Uh, so, you know, like we're talking about how in New York City that when you want to go through the turnstile, you have to put your phone on the tap to pay to go through. But wouldn't it be cool if you just walked the turnstile and it was like, hey, I can detect that you have an ultra wideband capable phone. It's, you know, you're within four centimeters. I know that means you're within the turnstile. I'm going to let you through. Um, so car access is seems to be another uh, technology that's picking up ultra wideband, especially as cell phones. Um, are starting to add ultra wideband technology because people tend to have their cell phones and may not have their car keys. And what's nice is that ultra wideband isn't susceptible to the relay attacks that have been like really like a plague on cars. Um, this is like a kind of a famous clip of of somebody who was caught. They put an antenna near the home and they 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 amplify the signal from the key fob that might be next be left near the door or near a um, the window and they use that to unlock the uh, car. So ultra wideband doesn't have this issue because it isn't this simple um, transmitter receiver. It, it can actually do authentication within the ultra wideband frequency. So inside each module, you get the NXP SR040, that's the ultra wideband, connected over SPI to the Nordic NRF52. That's the main core that you're going to be working with. It also has Bluetooth low energy, which means there's this you know backhaul uh, because the ultra wideband, even though it has 
bandwidth, you can't communicate back to like a phone or a computer. So the, the Nordic NR52833 is what you would use to connect a computer, a cell phone, um, or other devices because it has full Bluetooth low energy capability. And of course, all the peripherals you need. Um, so NXP has documentation on their Trimension, it's kind of a cool name, the SR040. Um, ultra wideband, but what's great is, you know, again, all the calculations are done in chip, communicate over SPI, so you don't have to do that work on the Bluetooth or energy device. You do it on this chip and the communicate over SPI. There's two versions of this module. This one has two antenna ports. So you would use a you know, normal 2.4 gigahertz Bluetooth antenna. For ultra wideband, you'll want to pick up you know, Laird has the matching nano wideband antenna, which, you know, I'm assuming when they do the authentication, uh, authentication, the certifications for the chips, they use this antenna, so you get to use their certifications. Um, but check out the documentation for that to make sure. But you plug in this antenna, now you can, even if you're in an enclosure or you want to have a better range uh, for the ultra wideband, because one of the trade-offs is ultra wideband, because it's a high frequency, doesn't have as much range as you're going to get with 900 megahertz or 433, of course. Um, both modules are pick and placeable. Uh, you know, the one that has an antenna, just make sure, you know, you really want to make sure that you have nothing in that area that could get in the way of the antenna. It's really important that the ultra wideband antenna is like free and clear because, you know, any interference in the antenna is going to affect how good it is at doing the, um, uh, 3d location of devices or the, the time of flight detection of, um, distances between it and you know, the other paired device. There's also a dev kit available, which I kind of like, uh, has everything you need. It's got even a little microbus connector. Um, it's got quick stomach QT compatible. So you can plug in, uh, any of your Adafruit favorite sensors or devices. You want an OLED or temperature sensor, go to town. Uh, you'll need, of course, more than one of these. You'll need at least two. They also have a USB dongle. I forgot to mention. So if you want to get data on your computer, um, the USB dongle will be able to let you run their eval software to get data from the ultra wideband device without going through like cell phone it does the bluetooth to usb conversion for you and best of all it's in stock thank you for being patient through that uh INPI. um someone in the chat said there was a giant internet outage across the entire internet right now which like, it seemed to be true because i was like what's going on yeah but did we give up no, we're not going to give up. Um, probably want to skip the video, by the way. So yep. we'll, um, that's this week's on MPI. All right, thanks. Thanks for hanging in there. Okay, we're going to go to new products right away. Don't forget to okay. code is it glows. It's new product time. Okay, we've got an update. Uh, ooh, the TFP four one hard to get for a couple of years. We finally got a shipment of these chips. Thank goodness, we're ready to put these back in stock. We have an update to this board since we were updating it anyways because we had to change the backlight driver and a couple other chips. Uh, we have a stomach QT connector if you want to reprogram the EDID. Uh, this is a uh, touch capable uh, USB and HDMI to RGB TTL converter chip. Great for just turning a normal TFT display into an HDMI monitor. All right, next up. Nudes, nudes. We want nudes. We got nudes, more nudes. Green nudes. Yeah. We got blue nudes. Let me go to this. Blues, yeah, blue nudes. And we got. Red nudes. 
So these are 1.2 meter long noodles of LEDs, um, ultra, ultra flexible, silicone coated, um, really fun to use. They're basically EL, but exactly what you want EL to be, which EL isn't, because EL is kind of, yeah, it's quiet. it's quiet and it doesn't crack when the little wires inside break and there's no weird, annoying soldering to do. Um, you give it 24 volts because uh, these are the very long ones. We have shorter ones that use 3 volts or 12 volts. Um, but they're beautiful and they're PWMable as well. So you don't have to have any ridiculous inverter. Um, love these nudes. And we had them in white in the 1.2 meter long. And now we have them in red, green, and blue as well. Next up. Next up, we have um, this is, might be useful for people doing LED illumination projects. This is double sided. Uh, analog led strip that's 12 volt power and uh i think cool warm and neutral white so can you go to the overhead i'll show this off this is a little interesting so uh usually we have led strip that has leds on one side but this has on both sides which means and these are like nice flat leds so it's not going to give you a perfect 100, 360 but you're going to get essentially 360 degree um color and you can power them from uh, 9 to 12 volts. They are analog LED strips, so not digital. You can PWM them. This one is the warm white. Um, so you get, you know, you can see from the edge, you know, it is not as bright, but you still get lighting. You know, it's like if you, especially if you put this behind something, you have a little bit of distance and you have the light bounce around. Um, great for illumination. They're very thin, only six millimeters, I think by maybe three millimeters thick. Uh, so this is the warm LED. I have this on low. So this is the 9 volts. Um, at 12 volts, I think it dropped about an amp. And then I'm betting this is the cool white one. So we have three temperatures. I think 300, 450, sorry, 3,000, uh, which is warm, 4,500, and then 6,000 cool. So this, is, I think, is the neutral white. Um, so three different colors. So this is good for you want to illuminate something and you want very thin, cool lighting. Um, this double-sided LED strip uh, will do a really beautiful job for you. Okay, and the start of the show tonight, besides you ladies, our team, our community, our customers, everyone who makes and shares is... Dun, dun, dun. By request, we had a customer request for the ESP32 S3 Feather with a WFL external antenna connector, and we have it. So this is just like the ESP32 S3 Feather that we've stocked uh, for a bit except that one had antenna, this one doesn't. This is the version with eight megabytes of flash and no PS RAM, which means it's not great for CircuitPython because you don't get that extra PS RAM, but it's like perfect for use with Arduino, definitely, um, or if you're using just like free RTOS or platform IO, it's gonna be great. And you can connect an external WFL antenna. We have a WFL to SMA, RP SMA adapter in the store, as well as a 2.4 gigahertz antenna. It's not UFL, it's WFL. It's IPX3, not IPX1. Slightly different, so just watch out. Don't try to use a UFL connector. Otherwise, it's you know exactly the same pinout configuration. It has the stomach UT, USB-C for data and power, battery uh, connector, um all the pins you know and love feather format compatible um great little board love the s3 and now if you want an external antenna uh you're in luck we have it nesting products new, 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 new. okay 
yeah, there's all sorts of internet problems in the world right now. I don't know what's going on. Um, everyone's, good on, everyone's on their Vision Pro. And they good good while it lasted. Mm-hmm. Um, it closes the code. Um, there's some questions lined up. Um, okay. We're not doing top secret this week because uh, we'll have some more next week. So let's uh, head off to answer your questions, and then we got to get out of here. All right, let's kick it. Yes. So the first question is from the things that we were showing on IMP, INMPI. Is there an effective, uh, is there an estimate for the effective range? I would say 100 meters um, is probably a good a good range to go with. Um, I'll be honest, I, I kind of looked and I couldn't find a promised range. But um, I think about 100 meters is is the the, the video demo was at least for 100 meters. Um, but it's best going to it's going to be best used at 10 meters or less. Alrighty. Um, next up, let's another way. Can the five volt natural white LED strip 320 meter be cut into shorter legs? Yes. Can you go to the overhead real fast? I forgot to show that. I'll just quickly show it off. There's little cut marks every 17 and a half millimeters and you can cut and solder to them. So you can even like just cut these little strips if you want. But each each little bit is 12 volts. Okay, next up. You sell a few GPIO expanders between the PCF8574 and the MCP2317. Do you have a favorite for usage, reliability, speed? I'm using ESP32S3. Uh, I don't want to solder on the main ESP board. Just use the expander to read input changes. Thanks. So for just inputs, any of them will do the job. Um, I do like the MCP23017. Um, it's a classic, uh, and it's got built-in pull-up. Uh, capability. Uh, it's got interrupts, and you know the board's easy to use. That said, all the all the uh, GPIO expanders we have will do button inputs, but some of them require the buttons to be pulled down only. Like you, when you press it, the button goes to ground, and so the MCP twenty three zero one seven is the only one that's like truly flexible um, in whether you want the button to be up or down. The only thing is, it only has pull ups, not pull down. So keep that in mind. Okay, during show and tell, JP showed off the manual focus. Is there a manual exposure setting? There is. And not only that, but you can lock the exposure and white balance, uh, which we do in time-lapse mode. So check out uh, the Pi camera, the camera demo. Uh, there's a little function. I can't remember the name because somebody just asked me. It was It's called, like, get exposure settings, and then you get a dictionary yeah. setting. Like, we don't know what the numbers mean, but you get the numbers, and then you can save them and tweak them and adjust them. Yeah, that'd be cool. And uh, I know we're not going to have time to do it because we have to run a company and um, it's just hard to do this type of uh, thing. But what would be cool is if someone ever wanted to do like a book or a website about exploring photography, digital photography, like you could actually talk about how all this stuff came about over the years from analog to digital Mm -hmm. photography and then actually show with a real camera, the Memento, how to do that. So it's like, well, when would you want manual exposure on a digital camera? And what is manual exposure? And how does light work? And then you could actually show it with code as well. That'd be kind of cool. It would be, it's too comprehensive. It would be, you know, a million pages, like a history of photography, but you would actually know how this stuff is built. And that's a good example. It's like, okay, you could do manual focus. What does that mean? You could do manual exposure. What does that mean? And it would be like an encyclopedia. Just, of, none of this stuff is documented. Like we just figured this shit out by like reading the yeah. reading random drivers and like just poking at different numbers. Um, so yeah, it's fun. Okay. 
who writes your music for the opening? So Dan on our team does, um, or myself will be, we do the music. So thank you so much for noticing. We, uh, we try hard. We like cool music. I hope that's Dan actually logged in and be like, hey, who's the cool dude yeah. who does the... <laughs> Where to get a Raspberry Pi 5? We we have Raspberry Pi 5s and we actually yep. do releases every... Make sure you have a Adafruit account. Make sure you have two-factor authentication. Sign up for notifications. And um, unlike... Check our Pi Locator. Lots of other places that are still on back order. We only ship what we have in stock. We shipped, so you, we, we you shipped a bunch them. today. Actually, we shipped 300. So, yeah. Okay. Do you have a sensor that can give a presser that can read AMP plus protocol? You know, I don't actually. I don't. I don't think we stock anything that does AMP plus. Maybe, maybe a Nordic. Maybe the NRF fifty two eight forty does, but we haven't. It's not in Arduino or CircuitPython. I don't think. Um, for the link to get a Raspberry Pi, just go to Adafruit.com and type Raspberry Pi five, and you'll see it right there, and you can sign up when it gets in stock, but just make sure you make an account, have two-factor authentication, because yeah. there's people who are trying to buy a bunch and sell them yeah, at higher prices, and we um, found a way to avoid that. Okay, um, them's our questions. Okay, perfect timing. Thanks, everybody. All right, thanks for sticking by us this week. There was some internet outages, but um, we, we we have two providers, and I switched to the other one. You can hear me frantically be like, oh, no. So our Wi-Fi is on one, and our Ethernet's on the other, and if there's an internet outage with one, we can sometimes keep it going, so we've had some standby music. And that's how it goes in the line. You got to use the standby. Got to use the standby graphic. Graphic, which we, we, we don't like to use. <laughs> but once a year. Yeah, hopefully this is it. Hopefully that's it for the we'll year. Say, we'll also check our, our network stuff here. We'll say. Thank you so much, everybody. Don't forget the code is it closed. Thank you, Justin May, behind the scenes. He's helping out in the Adafruit Slack and customers and more. It's probably DNA. This has been an Adafruit production. Here is your moment, Azina. Bye, everybody.